0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new edition of Behind the Curtain on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Murph. I'm Jared. Listen, let's get into it. It has been a wild week. Um, It started off with Penn State losing to Michigan. It ended or then the next day, Mike Yurcich gets fired, which we will get to here in a little bit. And then the rest of the week has been dedicated to watching Michigan go from we are t- going to the NCAA headquarters with a stake and, and we're getting them at the stake and torches and going after them to, we decided not to pursue our hearing. Um, and like a lion out, like a little kitty cat and there is more to come, um, to catch those up. Um, Connor stallions there, things have been continuously leaked, which is, I think hilarious, um, on Friday, it was leaked at Uncle T, I'm not sure if he was related to Mister T or not, um, went after or um, funded partially, at least, Stallion's spying ring uh, or, or scouting system. Um, and then their their linebackers coach gets fired middle of the day on Friday on a on a defense that is ten and zero or a part of a ten and zero team. Um, defense is playing really well. It just so happens that he destroyed evidence and destroyed computers, and obviously everybody has said that it's been a one-man operation. Well, how did he know what computers to break, what or files to destroy? We have got ourselves quite a saga, and I am absolutely enjoying every minute of it.
1: This is uh, this is really great to see um, the, the smugness, um, and, and I'm going to call out one certain person on. Uh, on Twitter. And that's Dave Portnoy. Like this guy is an absolute nut job and he's defending Michigan to, to the end, uh, all his live videos out there and all his boohoo and making excuses. And, and now he's, now he's got, he's a master of spin right now with what's going on at Michigan and, and, and all this kind of stuff and making excuses. Well, it's probably best for Harbaugh to accept the three game suspension. And, you know, let let the team concentrate on the tasks in hand coming up. But it seems like every week, Jared, that there's new information coming out. Like, this story had a trunk, and then it had a branch, and now it's growing tentacles. Like, every time you turn around, it's it's gone from signs to showing up on an opposing team's sideline in disguise to um, – I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. With the, what's what's going on with this with this team right now. Uh, and then it came out. I think it was Monday or Tuesday about possibility of them betting on their games. Oh yeah, yeah, right. That's that's also in there, right? And that you know that kind of got slid in. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's it's just like it's just like the Will Smith meme. How do you get fired on your day off? You know. <laughs> Like that's that's Chris Partridge. So I don't know if he's gonna have a pear tree to be in this year once Christmas rolls around. But well and also... he's and he came
0: back. This was his first year back with Michigan. He spent a couple of years down at Ole Miss. He he spent some time in the SEC country and he comes back and he's starting breaking the computers and deleting files. Like this this shit is wild. And and you're right, it's grown tentacles, it's grown literally everything that you can imagine because it's just so absolutely crazy like there are soap operas that wish like writers that wish they could write a story this so this crazy you know and and there's still so much left like we went into last weekend michigan james harb or jimmy harbaugh gets gets essentially suspended while he's in midair probably some flying somewhere over pittsburgh we're gonna fight it. We're gonna get him a temporary restraining order. That didn't happen. All right, what's gonna be on 9 30 at Friday on Friday morning? Shit. Thursday afternoon comes around. Shit. Well, we're not gonna go and do that. Um the Big Ten says their investigation's over, nothing to see here. Oh squirrel. Oh no, we're done. And Big Ten's like, You're still getting investigated, but they just you know, they took away their right to a hearing. Um and the world is starting to get the, it's the, the, this is fine meme. Right. And that's Michigan, the Michigan football headquarters. And that's just like, everything is on fire. Guns are, are, are firing everywhere. There's fire, you know, coming out of every porous of the building and the coaching staff there and the team there are having the best year of their, of the program's history. And it's just, it's going to go to shit. And I think that's hilarious.
1: Yeah, um, you know, and touching a little bit going into that game last week. And, you know, as everybody knows, you know, Friday, you know, there there was a meeting of the minds on the tarmac at University Park Airport uh, when, when Harbaugh, you know, kind of got the word that, um, you know, he was suspended for three games wasn't going to coach in the game. And, you know, uh, Sharon Moore came in and he took over the coaching duties uh Sharon Moore did for, for, for Michigan in this game. And you know, the game itself, we it kind of went as we expected. And I, again and then I'm sure we'll touch on this uh as we get into the other segments uh, with 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 the what you get with Franklin is what you get. But you know we're watching the game and again, you know, Penn State still had his chances, still in the fourth, still one score game. Um it, it I'm looking at the sideline and there's Sharon More, you know, and he's doing his job. And then I'm like, okay, game's over. And I just happened to leave the TV on and I heard him giving an interview. <laughs> and, I, and I glance up at the television. <laughs> I am telling you, I did not know that we were live from Martin Yates funeral home in Juniata because I don't know who the hell just died on the football field. But it was Jim Harbaugh, apparently, because this guy's out there bawling his eyes out. <laughs> I love Jim like a brother. We did it for Jim. He's taught me everything I know. I don't know if he taught him how to break into a computer or not, but that's for another story for another day. Allegedly. Uh, yeah, allegedly. I'm sorry. I'm sitting there looking at this guy, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, you seriously are on national TV growing like old yellow just got shot again and i'm like this is this is such a staged act there's no question in my mind that this was a staged act so they're pulling out all the stops you know the sob story the woe is me we the victim uh michigan against everybody um, i mean like so now i don't know what the hell's gonna happen here in another two weeks jared when uh, actually a week We got Michigan, Michigan against everybody, against Ohio State. It's Ohio State against the world. I mean, what happens here? I mean, to me, this is like watching Al-Qaeda fight uh, um, the Taliban. Like, I hate both of them. But I don't know who wins a game when you're up against everybody and the other team's up against the world. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Yeah,
0: I have no idea. And you're absolutely right. And I know, obviously, we haven't been recording recently because of this and schedule issue man you and i both texted after that and i i I thought i thought somebody died i thought somebody had passed away and i wasn't sure like what happened like i thought harbaugh might have had a heart attack on the plane like I, i i didn't know like the way that they responded and the way that they have responded it was like this dude was was dead and i was like dude like wow i i can't believe somebody died and I, I listen, I respect going to, going to war and going to battle with your coaches. Like, yeah, right. Like, that's, that's, that's football, right? You want those types of guys. But oh, we did it for Jim. Well, listen, man, he's suspended for three games. You guys get him every other day other than Saturday. Like, right. he was at the hotel. Like, he was chilling with you guys last night. He might have been playing Xbox with you. He might have been sitting somewhere in his khakis in the lobby. Like, come on, man. Like, what the hell are we doing here? Like this dude was complicit. Listen, say what you want about what he did or didn't know. He's got defensive coaches destroying evidence. This now you have a a coach whose alleged best friends were Chris Partridge and Jay Harbaugh, Jim's son, or or, or, or I think is how that works. But like, come on, man, there's so much more that's left. You know, they came in roaring like we're going to get everybody. You're right. Michigan versus everybody. The shirts were made. You know, you had Charles Woodson on the pro on the post game show, like puffing his chest out. Oh, I can't believe they're doing this. They still don't think they're innocent. They still think they're innocent. It is very clear that what they did was incredibly wrong, and it is not going well for them.
1: No, it's 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 really not. And 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 most people are um they're looking at everything from like the the Big Ten standpoint, and they think Punishment Day is over. And the Big Ten's only doing a very, very small portion of what, from my perspective, and I might be a little bit biased about this. And, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, you look at everything that's been going on. Uh, I'm going to say over the last 10 to 15 years in the Big Ten, you got the Ohio State, uh, the, the scandals going on there. you got the Michigan scandals. you got the Michigan State scandals. you got the, you know, the Penn State with the Jerry Sandusky scandal. And, you know, the mindset of these people and these idiots that are fans is that well, you Penn Staters had, you know, Jerry Sandusky, so you can't comment on anything else that's going on in a scandal. And it's just BS. It's, um, yeah, and when I start looking at that, it, it, you know, I liken it to people like, well, okay, so, if, if, so I guess you shouldn't like Catholics because priests got caught doing something, or you shouldn't like people that are German because of what happened in World War Two. Like it's the same mindset. And it's just, it's lazy it's it's bull and it's like you know what i didn't have anything to do with that you didn't have anything to do with that that student athletes had nothing to do with that with what went on at Penn state but what i'm what i'm trying to do here is i'm looking at a comparison so anything that happened during the sandusky thing is that none of that affected or gave them an advantage on the field nothing this however is Definitely something that's giving their team and their players an advantage on the field, and that's where it comes in. That you know, and mind you, I am not making any excuses for the for the whole Sandusky uh, uh, issues and stuff at all by any imagination. But when you look at the ability to take somebody's signals, know what's coming, and 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 just. Absolutely stop whatever plays coming over and over and over. That is definitely an unfair advantage on the field. You can spare me the pay in the players stuff, the SEC, because that's what's happening here. All these Michigan fans, all all their, their their talking heads are deflecting it. Well, this, well, that, well, them, well, they. No, no. You worry about yourself. And I have a feeling that. Obviously, this isn't over yet. I'm really curious as to what the NCAA is going to do because I totally think if the NCAA allows Michigan to enter into the playoffs this year after the regular season, knowing what's going on, oh, they're wrong.
0: Yeah, that that would turn a lot of people off uh, towards college football, and that could be that could be the next big thing. You know, just on the surface, right? We have. You know, Michigan was being investigated. Harbaugh has coached only a few games this year, which is absurd to me. And they're still undefeated. So, like, that whole us against the world, this is not the first time you've played without your coach. Like, get used to it, clearly. But, so we've had, we've had that. We've had Weiss and his investigation. We've had so much of it. The, and then you have Stallions. Then you have the, the staffer that tried to get with the 13-year-old. And then you have now a coach destroying evidence. Obviously, he got fired, which is great. That's good. Like, that's – they had to do that. But, again, that's a, just another level of this that, that goes so far beyond the playing field. You know, that's destru- – like, that is a crime. Um, that is – so you're, you're looking at now the federal government. and The FBI has been involved they're investigating potential gambling issues. So there are just so many things going on that I don't know what the big, Ten, the, the big 10 did their thing. They were like, all right, well, he, we got him for the sportsmanship. And I just, I just saw this on Twitter and, and this is from November 8th. Um, and, and I think this is absolutely hilarious. It's Santa Ono's um, picture. And it's, and it's to the tune of um, Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He dunked on Petiti. You should have took his advice. And I thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Like the Big Ten has has been throughout like you're going to get hammered. We're just doing this preliminarily because we have to do something right. If the Big Ten didn't step in and do something, I think we all would have been like, "Ooh, that's not good. Knowing what they know. Now, as more details emerge and Michigan's like, ah, damn it, you got us. You caught the tater right? Like that's, that's what's next. That's and, and the NCAA cannot let them go to the big 10 championship. The best thing. And I, and this is going to be so bizarre for, for somebody like this to say this, but you can't like, Ohio state needs to win that game next week. If they don't win that game next week, the NCAA is going to be like the Ben Affleck meme outside. He, they're just going to be standing there. Eyes rolled to the back of their heads with a cigarette in their hand saying, why are we in this situation? Same thing with the Big Ten. If Michigan plays a Big Ten championship game, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Same thing with with playing in the bowl game. Like, I don't even think Michigan should go to a bowl game with all of this going on. But, again, I don't work for the NCAA or the Big Ten, but they sure as hell can't go to the playoff.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm looking here at Twitter. I'm looking at, at some of the responses today, and I, I see this one, this one response, and it says, I have finally been talked off the ledge. There's still nothing directly linking Harbaugh or the university to what's been going on. Michigan has fired those who have committed wrongdoing already. We are beating Ohio State. Tony Petiti will hand Jim Harbaugh the Big Ten trophy. This is the mindset. Like, these people think that there's nothing. Ultimately, they're forgetting that one phrase and that one caveat that the ncaa has in their in, the, in their roles and the expected conduct of their coaches and that is that the head coach ultimately is responsible for everything under him whether he's in the know or not which i agree sometimes you cannot you know you cannot possibly know everything that's going on but that little phrase called lack of institutional control is what's going to do Michigan and and rightfully so and I, I will love it I think it'll be absolutely fabulous when it happens
0: it is insane and there's just so much like like th- we're recording this late Friday night Uh, Even by kickoff Sunday or Saturday, I think it's going to be nuts. There's just so much more that that can come from this. But we're going to talk a little bit more about lack of control here when we come back for the second segment of the Behind the Curtain podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the behind the curtain podcast on any sports now network. He's Mark. I'm Jared. Listen, uh, we talked about lack of institutional control uh, and it seems as though James Franklin, let Mike your get away with some stuff. Um, not necessarily the greatest. Uh, it, it came out that Mike your was not at meetings on Saturday morning prior to the game against Michigan, which is absolutely alarming given the fact that it's the biggest game of the season and he is your offensive coordinator now i'm going to be perfectly honest with you in my interactions with mike here he has not seemed like he has fit in very well amongst the other coaches with that staff with that said he is still the offensive coordinator james franklin operates in a way that the offensive coordinator is essentially the head coach of the offense Uh, defensive coordinator is the head coach of the defense that's why manny diaz does so well in that 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 moment and those in those meetings. He's been a head coach. He's done it. He knows what it's like offensively. Your sitch was pretty stubborn. We saw that in his game planning or lack thereof. It's not sticking to game plans from what Franklin said. And we talk about this regularly. Franklin has a message behind every statement that he makes. You heard him be poignant again and talking on Sunday about, or I'm sorry, Saturday after the game about playmaking or play calling. And put getting your quarterback in positions to succeed. And those are all things Juricich did an absolutely awful job at um, while he was at Penn State. He fires them Sunday morning. And then, boom, here we are. J1 Sider and Ty Howell are now the co-offense coordinators. And we got a whole new offense. Not necessarily a whole new offense, but a whole new offensive style coming in uh, for Saturday's game against
1: Rutgers. Yeah, you know, Jared, I, 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 as you know, I have been a pretty outspoken critic of Mike Yerzich. Um, I just don't think he's lived up to the hype. I don't think he's done what the expectations were of him coming in and people are like, I don't understand it. You know, he was a, he was successful in the Big 12. Okay. The Big 12, where defense is optional, number one. So, you know, you, you, even, you know, some of the mid-teams mid in the – in the Big Ten are, you know, defensively are are much better than the teams in the uh, Big 12. So, and, you know, I'm like, you know what, on Twitter, even though on Twitter during the game, I'm like, you know what, just call Joe Moorhead, give him 20 to 25% above what he's making as the head coach right now and bring his ass back. Bring him in here, get this offense turned around because the offense hasn't really been the same since Joe Moorhead has left. Now, the difference is, We also have a quarterback. You got a Trace McSorley. You got a Sean Clifford. I mean, Sean Clifford can run. Um, But we saw last week, we saw Drew Alla. Uh, Drew Alla had 49 yards rushing last week, um, which is easily his season high. Now, granted, is a big boy. Um, He does not look like Josh Allen when he's running out there because Josh Allen is fluid. Drew Alla looks like a, a rambling Clydesdale when he's trying to get um, he definitely has a good feel for the rush. He definitely has a feel where to step up, where to step back, where to step out. And and that's a great trait. Um, but the first time I felt Yurkic was really in trouble is exactly what you were talking about. At the post-game press conference, when Franklin was talking, and, and you may have seen the comment on my Facebook page when I had done my 10 things I think I think, and a couple of the people, my friends came in and said, "Well, saying, you know, they, they lose, and everybody wants to fire the coach, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, this isn't a one-game ordeal. This is, this is a pattern. This has been all season. This has been the last couple of years. But I also, before that even happened, and this was Saturday night, I made the comment that I listened to James Franklin's press conference, and the words and the sentences coming out of his mouth, from my perspective, did not really bode well for Mike Yurcich. And next thing you know, Sunday morning, he gone.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You know, it, it's very rare for him to do that. Um, anybody at Penn State, really. The last person that was, that was done to was Joe Paterno with the Sandusky stuff we mentioned in the first segment. But the biggest thing for them, you know, is they needed – I don't know if this is going to provide a spark. It, it should. But if he's not doing things the way he should be as an offensive coordinator, that's not good. And that's a f- direct reflection of Franklin. But like I said, James Frank, and I've said this since Jan- then since he got to Penn State, he is a CEO. He's not an X's and O's guy. He's never going to be an X's and O's guy. And honestly, head coaches nowadays aren't going to be X's and O's guys. There's just so much going on now. And that's why you see X's and O's guys struggle at the collegiate level. Look at Joe Moorhead. Joe Moorhead is an X's and O's guy. And, and I listen, Akron is Akron, Mississippi state. I think he got a raw deal. Oregon, he goes out and does a really good job as a coordinator there. Akron in the Mac is, is tough. It's not easy to win at Akron, no matter who you are. So obviously there are struggles there, but, but it's not easy to be a head coach, but also still have a pulse on, on what you're doing offensively or whatever. And we can talk about James Franklin meddling, um, James Franklin doesn't necessarily over medal or under metal. I think he just wants to see what happens. And I think that's to a fault. I think that's a big issue of why we got to this situation. That's the same thing against, we saw the same game plan against Michigan that we did against Ohio state. And that's why Jay, that's why Drew Aller has yardage. He's able to run the middle field. Cause there are no receivers anywhere to be found. And that's not a situation. It's like watching Matt Canada on, on Sundays. The only issue, the only thing is that, I mean, they're still winning those games. Um, but that's the thing, you know. Yursich, looking back on it, I don't know that he was the right fit. I don't think Kirk Shiraka got a fair deal. I don't think he was a great fit either. Uh, but the big thing is James Franklin needs it needs it his guy. This has got to be his last guy, you know. It, and I mentioned this in the lashing out podcast. many Diaz forced his hand here. If, if If Manny Diaz sees – or if there isn't as much progress on the defensive side as there has been compared to last year, I don't think this is a a big of a deal. You know, the issue is – and we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the third segment – Franklin is losing only two games a year. The issue is they're the same two
1: teams. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, one of the interesting quotes I saw coming out of is some is some information this, and some of the articles I was reading this week was that the wide receiver crew as a whole is Ugh. garbage. Um, outside of Keandre Lambert Smith, um, <laughs> you got these, you know, you got Dante Cephas coming in, you got Malik McLean coming in, um, you got Amari Evans who's hurt, uh, you, you have uh, uh, the other wide receiver. They came back from injury, hurt a shoulder. Like in Trey the first Wallace. quarter. Yeah, Trey Wallace. So, you know, and the other day, next thing you know, you got Caden Sanders out there. And, and Caden Sanders has been said to have, have the best hands on the team. And he has made some tough grabs. But then he out and just went and dropped a pass right to him, even though it was behind him. But one of the things that's interesting to me is, you know, we have Marcus Haggins, who is, as you know, was a quarterback at uh, Virginia and was a coach at Virginia and came in last year to replace Taylor Stubblefield. So the wide receiver class that they have have essentially been on the shoulders of Taylor Stubblefield. And, you know, he's gone. So the excuse is that these receivers were Stubblefield's guys, uh, they're not producing. Now I don't know who, and I cannot remember who the wide receivers coach was before Stubblefield. Corley, David Corley. David Corley. Thank you. There you go. So, so there you have, that's what you have.
0: We'll have to look into that. I'm going to look that up while you speak. It was either him or Jared Parker, because they were not there very long and they were both awful.
1: Uh, but then, you you know, you have Godwin and you have Alan Robinson and you have Johan Datson. You know, there's nobody on the team. Kandre Lambert-Smith can be that guy. But Kandre Lambert-Smith there for a while was good for one stupid personal foul penalty after, you know, <laughs> seemed like the first three or four games. But the wide receiving crew, yes, I, I don't see it. But it just goes back to what you were saying and what Franklin even said is we are not I – mean, he literally said the game plan was to get Drew in position to make plays. And we failed to do that. So you know who he's talking about because he's not the guy calling the plays. And, you know, I, I just think that Allah has just – in these big games, he's been deer in the headlights – uh, against Michigan, against Ohio State. And, you know, maybe he wasn't put in the best position. You don't see you throwing over the middle. You don't see quick hitters. You don't see – it was just everything was off. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to throw this back over to you with one last one last thought on the offensive coordinator is, but whoever comes in as the new offensive coordinator, please, for the love of God, can we please have our running backs moving forward towards the line of scrimmage when we hand the ball to them? The whole dancing, tiptoeing, standing in the backfield, this is like shades of Saquon Barkley when he was here, when our offensive line was garbage. And, you know, he, every time he got the ball, we had guys on him. And I, I see this again. I see it happening. And then I watch teams like Michigan, you know, Blake Corum and Aaron and, Edwards. And when they get the ball, they're already moving towards the line of scrimmage. They're not standing back there tiptoeing, mm-hmm. dancing around. And I think that makes a big difference. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not a big Phil Trotline fan myself. I just don't see this offensive line being above uh anything but average outside of, of Fashion, uh, between world you know, Worling and and Caden Wallace and, and Hunter Norzad I think has done a great job actually. Um uh, but three of the five are just not, you know, I know they lost Tang well and and, and they lost, you know, some there, but I am whoever can say, and please, can we please have a running backs moving towards the line of scrimmage instead of just standing in seven yards deep in the backfield before they get the ball?
0: It's tough because, you know, you're, I don't, you're right. Drew Aller has looked like a deer in the headlights against two teams. He's not done. He's not lit the world on fire in other games. Uh, Penn State's beating teams they should beat. And they've done that, but the teams that they needed to beat and didn't, he has looked like a beard in the headlights because I don't think he's set up for success. I think they they play tight, they coach tight. Obviously, the stakes are high. They you see the emo- the raw emotions after Ohio State, after Michigan. You don't see that after other games. And I think they're treating those games a little bit differently. And I think that's a different whatever, one-to-no mentality, but they know what's at stake. The players know what is at stake, they're playing hard. But, but when you're not being put in positions to succeed, there's only so much you can do. And that's, and that's where they're at. I think that's the struggle for them. Drew Aller is just not being put in positions to succeed, and that is a big-time issue. And I'm hopeful that Jaywan Wan Sider is able to do that. I'm hopeful that Ty Howell can do that. But again, that remains to be seen, and we'll find out at noon on Saturday against the Fighting John Kutzes of Rutgers.
1: With that said,
0: we'll explain who that is uh, after we come back from the certain final break on the, the Behind the Curtain podcast on the Nittany Sports Now network. To the third and final segment of the Behind the Curtain podcast and the Sports Now network, I'm Jared he's Murph. John Kutz is a lineman for Rutgers. Um, back in the day, he's also an Altoona native. I've coached with him. I coached. I played for him. Murph coached with him as well. He was a member of the Rutgers. One of the Rutgers. One of the two Rutgers teams that beat Penn State just a few years ago when Penn State played Rutgers. They celebrated the 20th anniversary of that or 30th anniversary, I believe, of that victory. Um, in Piscataway. And that's always a fun little tidbit. The fighting John Quitz is, um, Shiano, I think has done a great job there. Um, you don't hear Rutgers fans. Well, you don't really hear Rutgers fans anyway, but you don't hear. Is that a fans, thing? Yeah. You don't really hear them calling for Graciano to, to be fired. James Franklin loses two games regularly every year to the same two teams. And you would say, you would think that twin state's program is two and 10. And and it's crazy to me. You mentioned the booze earlier, um, and the fan reaction. And you know, I remember being at that game in 2016 when Minnesota booed is at, at halftime. The Fire Franklin chants were loud. They rocked the valley, but but the thing is, for me. James Franklin is is winning games. He's recruiting. He's he's a good role model for the university. He's not like a Bobby Petrino. He's not hanging out with an administrative assistant. Um, he's doing the right things in that way. He's not destroying computers or hard drives or, or anything <laughs> like that. But the issue is, and like I've said before, it's the same two teams, and it's the same song and dance, and it's the same situation every time. And I think that's what's hard to grasp. But by no means do I think that warrants him being let go because guess what? The grass isn't always greener on the other side.
1: No, um, and, and this is one of the things they're talking about with the, you know, in the, in the throng of the Penn State fans and the, and, the, and the Penn State, you know, fandom, I guess you should say, is the Franklin, you know, get rid of him, it's time to go, it's time to go, we're at the ceiling, 10-2 and two is the ceiling. And they're absolutely right. 10-2... and two, Is what has now become the ceiling for Penn State. And it doesn't seem like they can get above that. Um, You know, and then uh, a game goes one way or the other. You're looking at a nine and three season. And if you think 10 and two is bad, you know, what's going to happen if they go nine and three? And they just, um, the, the problem is who do you get to come in that's available out there? to step into these shoes. I, I get it. And I'm just as frustrated as everybody else because we started this, Jared, when we first started this a month and a half ago, I believe one of the earliest segments was Penn State's off to a start. They we beaten West Virginia. You know, they're off to a good start. Here we go. However, the season, guess what? It's all going to come down to two games. Michigan and Ohio State. And as we predicted, what's going on in those games. The Ohio State game, there's a little bit more feeling that we could win that game. After they lost that game, the feeling with the Michigan was there's no way we're going to beat Michigan either because I felt Ohio uh, Michigan was better than Ohio State. And uh, you know, I understand the Franklin thing and, and not getting over the hump. It's something has to happen. And I go back to what you and I were talking about before. This next hire, this offensive coordinator, this may be his last opportunity to get the last and, and final piece together for this Penn State puzzle in how to beat Ohio State and Michigan. But, you know, you look at a Drew Moorhead, okay, there's Joe Drew Moorhead. Drew Allah is not Trace McSorley. He's not Sean Clifford. He's not Bo Prabula. You know, he, he's not the, you know, and this is the thing that's frustrating is trying to run this RPO offense with Drew Allah. I'm going to guess that 92 times out of 100, Drew Adler is not keeping the ball and running with it. He did run last week more than we've seen him run all year. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I the Franklin – the fire Franklin crowd, well, I understand it. I think it's warranted. My question is, okay, that's right. Okay, let's fire Franklin. Who are you getting? Who's coming in?
0: And that's my point, too. You know, you look at Nebraska. They had a really good thing with Bo Pelini. Bo Pelini was a wild guy. He he rubbed people the wrong way. Um, he was brash. He was realistic. He was honest. That's not always easy to handle in coaching, um, especially at a place like Nebraska. But they were, you know, middle of the road, eight, nine, ten wins a year under, under Bo Pelini. They fired him thinking they could get better. They have not been anywhere close ever since. Um you know, same thing with Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher—that's what got this whole week started. Jimbo Fisher got canned. like gets paid seventy-six million dollars to sit with a thumb up his butt for the um, for a couple of years, and or even if he wants to go back and coach, right? You know, so grass isn't always greener, and that's the thing. Like, who who are you going to get that's going to take Penn State to that next level? They are right there. They are at. They are knocking on that door. This year proved that they are a competent offensive series or two. Or two, away from being undefeated. And that's the issue here. You know, who can take them there? Is Franklin the guy? That remains to be seen. You know, this is his year to get them to the playoff without the 12-team cushion. Um, And and unfortunately, he wasn't able to do do that. But there's still so much football left. They've still got to play Maryland. They've still got to go play for the prestigious land-grant trophy in uh, Detroit, Michigan next week the greatest trophy in all of man and Maryland.
1: Time. We already played. I'm sorry. Maryland. I'm sorry.
0: Rutgers. Michigan wrong state.
1: Yeah.
0: Michigan <laughs> state. Yeah. Too many M's. Too many ads. This is what happens when we record at midnight. Um, my time <laughs> after a week of school, but, but yeah, so there's so much more that, that, that it's at stake here. They're going to go to a New York six bowl game. And if they play in the peach bowl and win, which I am project projecting them to play in the peach bowl. Um, I, I think that they would be in win. They would be the first program to win all six New Year Six bowl games. Right, James Franklin right. is getting them to those points. Is that the playoff? No, it's not. But
1: it's still pretty damn good, even with two losses. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's the guy to get him into the top 12 as the playoffs expand next year. And, you know, that's one thing I've been I'm reading and people don't understand the concept of how the playoffs work. They think it just goes by the ranking. It's the top 12 teams because they did show the projected 12 team playoff. If, if it was right now and Penn State was not included, even though they are ranked number 12, it's not the top 12 teams. It goes by your, your champs, your top four, And then you're at large. I think there's six at large. I I don't know the exact specifics of it now, so I don't want to expand on it. The only thing is it's not the top 12 ranking teams that automatically make the playoffs. So are they good enough to get into that? Yes, absolutely they are. Uh, Especially now with a team, you know, they've lost, you know, by nine to Michigan State. They lost by um, eight. It escapes me now. (laughs) I'm trying to remember the score of of the Ohio State game. But they were one-score games halfway through the fourth quarter in both of those contests. So it's not like they're playing them and getting beat by three or four touchdowns either. Uh, people were asking about uh, Georgia the other day, and they were complaining about Ohio State Georgia flipping them. Well, Georgia went out and beat the number nine team in the nation by 35 points. Yeah. Ohio State Ohio State went out and won by 35. Uh, they weren't exactly playing the number nine team in the country either. So uh, I believe you can get them there jared you know as well as i do uh, that's why they play the game once you get into the game anything can happen you know a key injury a freak play um you know offensive coordinator
0: going rogue (laughs)
1: uh, yeah how about it right uh so I, i don't think that that's the answer but we still don't have an answer to the question how do we get better
0: Yeah, and there are are a lot of millions of dollars. There's a lot of millions of reasons why that won't happen for Franklin. But at the end of the day, it it would be nice to see him win those big games. Um, But at the same time, not many people are winning against Ohio State and Michigan. And I think that's got to be taken into account, too. There are two programs that are playing the best football in their history, both storied history. You know, of course, it does help that Michigan knows what's coming, but (laughs) – for Ohio State, you know Ryan Day has done a pretty good job. There was no drop off between him and Urban Meyer, and that's the thing, you know. And and you you want to talk about pressure? Ryan Day in the in the game, right? That I'm so glad at Penn State plays Friday night because I will watch every all 75 hours of Big Noon kickoff on next Saturday when those two teams play. Because now, if Ryan Day loses to Sharon Moore that's going to be a disaster for him. And it's going to be a disaster for the Big Ten. So there's so much at stake in that game. The stakes are so high. The tension's going to be so palpable. It's going to be incredible. And Harbaugh's not going to be anywhere to be found. He'll be perched up above the um, scoreboard at the, at the big house because he's not allowed he could, anywhere near the place.
1: He could be on top of a vehicle across the street. Though too Wouldn't
0: be the first time I've seen that. You know all too well about that.
1: How about it? How about it? But hey,
0: you know that's kind of the way that, that things go, and and it, again, the grass isn't always greener. You know, Ohio State put them in perspective. They they struck gold with with Ryan Day, uh, you know, with him being able to to coach the way that he has and pick up right where Urban left off, if not even get even better. You know, it's probably good that he doesn't have any health problems. Maybe he doesn't eat as much Papa Johns as Urban did. I don't really know. Um, hasn't spent too much time at Urban Steakhouse either with Coeds, but. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, again, Franklin is Franklin. Um, Take that with a grain of salt. For as, for some people, sometimes people don't, don't like that. But again, there aren't very many people that are that are better. There are only 11 teams right now that don't wish they were Penn State. Everybody else, looking Penn State's looking behind. They wish they were them. But that's all we've got for right now. But wait. I think there's we got a surprise here coming after this break. We'll catch you on the flip side on the Behind the Curtain podcast on the eSports Now network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a special segment of the Behind the Curtain Podcast and the Esports Now Network. This is a new segment we're going to call, well, Curtain Call. Murph, the floor is yours.
1: Great. Got the ticket. Something new we're trying out here. Uh, as the name suggests, we got one final segment coming back. Um, so I'm going to take it away from here. Um, so I want to touch a little bit about, this goes back to last week, and uh, the booze just raining down on, on Beaver Stadium last week against uh, Michigan. Um, and it literally started on the first drive uh, with bang, 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 the, the same old, same old plays. And the booze started, and it just got progressively worse. Um, it, it it got worse at halftime. And, and coming off the game, coming off the field at the end of the game, there were, you know, you're also running through the student section and students are going to say things. And, um, you know, I've, I've been the recipient of that sitting right beside the student section when one of the people from Ohio state started chanting Sandusky at them because they were basically calling Sean Wade an asshole because he concussed uh, KJ Hamler in the game. And, and it was just like, uh, dude, they're students. It's going to happen. So anyhow, I wanted to touch a little bit on this because Twitter was on fire for Penn State Alumni, Penn State Faithful, about the the despicfulness of the booing at the kids and the the student athletes and, and what was going on. To that I say, that wasn't directed as much, hardly at all, at the at the kids, at the players. It was directed at the coaching, the play calls, the situations. And there's Mike Yosich, you know, and, and, and that's where the boos were directed with the offense because it surely wasn't the defense. But I want to put things in perspective a little bit when it comes to booing. Booing is, has been, always will be a part of a sporting event, no matter what level it's at. And the landscape in college football has changed in the last four to five years. You got the transfer portal. Now you got the NIO. So people are like they shouldn't be booing these kids, blah, 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 just because you pay for a ticket, and so on and so forth. The unpopular opinion from my side is I disagree with that. And and here's why. Yes, some of these kids are still 18, 19 years old. Some of these kids are also at 18 and 19 years old making more money now than the people sitting in the stands. That comes with the territory. You're making – now, I'm not saying all these kids are making seventy-five, dollars $100,000 a year, but you got guys like Caleb Williams saying, with the money I make from NIL, I might make more this year staying in school than I am coming out and playing in the NFL. That's absurd. That's absurd. Um, So what I'm getting at is that the expectations, yes, are there. Should they be throwing – you know, cursing at the kids coming off the field? No, absolutely not. But the booing part of it is understandable. It's a different landscape now. When So you can't say that your kids, you know, and they're not getting paid for this. Well, guess what? Now they are getting paid. So anyway, that's my curtain call. And I'll let the curtain drop. And that was my first segment and my first shot.
0: Well, job well done. There we have it. I, I, I actually agree with you. I, it's a different landscape now. College sports are, are ever changing. You know, we, it's not going to get any different anytime. It's just going to keep evolving um, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, as as we continue. But I thought that was pretty well put that, that segment will be here to stay and we might, we'll figure out some tweets to it. Maybe we'll both get a, a, a curtain call every once in a while. I don't, quite know how that works but we as always appreciate you tuning in what are before we go what are your predictions
1: for Saturday's game I'm gonna go Penn State 31 Rutgers 17 um hopefully they get the running game going a little bit better uh I'm kind of curious to see how the play calling goes uh Rutgers has a decent defense in and of themselves um the quarterback is their quarterback, and I, I just think I just don't think Rutgers has the horses to stay with Penn State again. I think it's going to be a close game up to the third quarter, and I think Penn State's going to pull away from there. So, 31 Penn State 17 Rutgers. I
0: have that I have it at 49 to 10. I think that Penn State finally finds a groove offensively. Um, I would like to see some more two back sets. I'll get Chen Catron Allen and Nick Singleton on the field at the same time, but I also think. It's just gonna be a confidently called game. But with that said, anything can happen. I do think Penn State's defense shows up once again. You know, this is a this is a Rutgers offense that got shut out by Iowa. So there's you know, again, that's why they play the game. It should be a really nice day for football. Um, the SEC is on their bye week. So that's kind of fun to watch them play mid majors and bye games. So if any of them lose those, that's a disaster. Um there is a game on Friday night here in the Pac-12. Currently, with um, as they're nearing the half, nearing the half, um, our Lord and Savior's team, Colorado, um, is down 27 points. They're down 34-7. to 7. There is a chance that as hot as Colorado started, they might not be bowl eligible, and I think that would just be purely hilarious. Um,
1: and, and Jared, let's not forget the top player in Colorado, our quarterback. Just committed to Penn State. That's right. On Monday.
0: Yeah, he's the one that that essentially broke that Yursich was
1: not in around on Saturday. That's That's right.
0: Correct. Yep. Now back to we we do touch on basketball here, and let's tie this all together in one full podcast by doing one small thing. This is the time of year where big time schools are playing in tournaments or they're having bye games. So let's take a look at how things are going for Michigan. Let's take a look at the big 10. Oh, oh, well, oh, they lost by eight, uh, by eight to long beach state. So not only did they, um, did they, you know, lose some money there, but they also gave up 94 points to a team that was one and two. Kudos, Juwan Howard Maybe we'll figure out how to call a timeout sometime
1: soon. That's got to be a slap in the face to Jawan Howard.
0: Uh, the puns are endless. The hard drives are broken. This podcast <laughs> has come to an end. We thank and you. Thanksgiving as is on the way. Yes, it is. We'll be able. To, well, we we're not going We're not quite sure how this is going to work for next week. But we will be back next week with more behind the curtain on the Nittany Sports Now Network. We'll talk to you again next week.